AM, KRLB AM Las Vegas. Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Yeah, he's he's de- he's definitely in the picture. Well, we drafted Arnett in the first round. He was an opening day starter, so he's a big part of us moving forward. Uh, he had the virus. He had an injury to his thumb. Uh, he also had concussion injuries. So he was an incomplete performer for us last year. But he's as good a corner as we have talent-wise on this team. We think he and Trayvon Mullen, Casey Hayward, uh, some of the other people that are in the mix now give us depth competition and some – some interesting matchups. So uh, I'm, I'm fired up about the secondary. Uh, the safety is completely unsolved. We've got some high draft choices there playing down. Uh, we've got some high draft choice, choices playing deep. And we have a great secondary coach in Ron Milas. So if I'm a Raider fan, I'm coming out here watching practice. I'm going to keep a close eye on this secondary. It should be a strength of ours. If it isn't, uh, we've made some real mistakes. Well, 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 well. That was Raiders head coach John Gruden, by the way, in case you didn't know. I know, by the way, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador on a Tuesday. And John Gruden was talking about the Raiders' young secondary. And as he explained and expounded on, a group that he believes earnestly, truly, could end up being a strength of the Raiders in 2021. I wrote about it today in the Las Vegas Review Journal. In case you don't know, I am the beat writer for the Raiders for the Review Journal. Um, John Gruden was responding to a question that I asked earlier today when we got a chance to talk to him on the eve of the official opening of training camp tomorrow. And by official opening, I mean guys will be actually on the field practicing uh, full bore. It's it's go time for the Raiders as it is across the NFL. Today was uh, veterans officially being able to report, but more than anything, that was getting your equipment, getting your physical, uh, going through your conditioning tests. I know all us big guys uh, always hated <laughs> that when it came to uh, whatever level of football you played and whatever to whatever extent there was conditioning involved and conditioning tests involved. I think we all know uh, what we're talking about. Um, so it's not always a fun day. Uh, but tomorrow the true fun begins and, and the players are going to get on the field uh, and start practicing and start beginning the preparations for the 2021 season. And if you listen to John Gruden, uh, I think it was kind of interesting hearing him talk about that secondary, Damon Arnett, uh, Casey Hayward, Trayvon Mullen, the young cornerbacks that they've drafted uh, over the last couple of years, including Nate Hobbs uh, from Illinois this year. Also, the the, the secondary, or excuse me, the uh, safety position, Jonathan Abram, Trayvon Morig, Tyree Gillespie, uh, Carl Joseph, a veteran that they brought uh, back uh, into the fold. Uh, and, and, and hearing John talk about, with a lot of conviction, by the way, and it's almost surprising in a way, when you really think about it, uh, I think if you would have um, chosen the secondary for John Gruden to to really lavish praise on on the eve of training camp, if you had chosen that particular group as the group that John Gruden was going to expound the most on and heat the most praise on on the first day of of, of training camp, 
I'm not so sure many people would have been on your side. Like they would have thought, well, given how much the secondary struggled last year, and let's face it, they did. Uh, They were a big part of the reason why the Raiders defense gave up the third most points in the NFL. They were a big part of the reason why down the stretch over the second half of the season, uh, that defense failed to hold on to late game leads that cost the Raiders dearly three times down the stretch and really was the difference between them making the playoffs and not and uh, finishing with an eight and eight record rather than an 11 and, and, and five record. That secondary played a huge role in the demise of the defense last year. It struggled mightily by every measure. And yet here was John Gruden today talking about how fired up he is about that particular group. And if he was a fan and he was going to practice, he would keep an eye on the secondary. And then he doubled down, John Gruden did, by saying, look, I feel like this is going to be a strength of the team. And if it isn't, then we made a lot of mistakes around here, basically. I'm kind of uh, uh, surmising what he's not surmising what he said, but um, paraphrasing what he said putting the finger and the onus on himself and the Raiders talent evaluators. But there is a conviction and John Gruden talked about it uh, at length today that the Raiders feel pretty darn good about that young secondary and what they've brought in uh, in terms of the veterans that they've brought in in terms of the youth that they've brought in. And for me hearing John Gruden uh, talk, it certainly raised my antenna and starting with tomorrow at 7:30 in the morning when we all report uh, to Raiders headquarters in Henderson for the first practice bright and early 7:30 in the morning I am going to be all over uh, that secondary to see uh, where they are what is giving John Gruden the kind of optimism uh, that he uh, expressed today I kind of think I know why um, and and there's there's a few reasons I think there's just been a talent upgrade. I think the Raiders feel really good about this draft. The Nate Hobbses and the Trayvon Morigs and the Tyree Gillespie's that they've brought in. They feel uh, good about Trayvon Mullen going into his third year. They obviously feel good about bringing in Casey Hayward, somebody that uh, understands this system of Gus Bradley, has a track record with Gus Bradley, with new secondary coach uh, Ron Miles. Those two names, Ron Miles and Gus Bradley, those are part of the equation of why John Gruden feels pretty good about where they are uh, at that position. Um, so there's talent there. There's more talent than there was. We haven't even got into Rasul Douglas, Carl Joseph, uh, who they've brought back. Uh, Amik Robertson, a second-year player from, uh, from from Louisiana Tech, uh, some holdovers. Devin Lawson, who um, you know has been a solid player for the Raiders. So there's a lot of names. There's a lot of depth. Uh, there's a lot of versatility. There's a lot of upside. There's a lot of promise. And I think that having gone through an entire offseason, as the Raiders did, both working with these guys in the classroom and on, out on the field, they like what they see, and that's encouraging if you're a Raider fan. Uh, you have to figure that, and it does start all up front, and John talked about that today, uh, the retooled defensive line, Yannick Ngakwe, who he believes is a difference maker, just you know, brings something that the Raiders just simply haven't had these last few years, and that's a disruptive nature, production. He's kind of a difference maker. He has been throughout the course of his career. Uh, that's a dynamic that the Raiders have s- sorely been lacking, especially up front. 
you got to figure with Unique and Gogway, with Max Crosby uh, improving, Cleve Farrell, Darius Phylon, Quentin Jefferson, Solomon Thomas, Jonathan Hankins, uh, Malcolm Kuntz, the rookie who John Gruden uh, spoke about. You got to feel like the Raiders are going to get more out of their defensive line than they have these last couple of years. And if that's so, uh, that's obviously changes the dynamic of the Raiders' defense, but it's all for naught if they can't improve on the back end. It goes hand in hand. And it certainly sounded like John Gruden, again, was pretty darn happy or optimistic about what the Raiders um, are going to look like in the secondary. We're going to get into that uh, today. We're, we're here from 4 to 5.15 p.m. Again, uh, the Las Vegas Aviators, the AAA team here in Las Vegas, have an early uh, first pitch uh, for their game tonight. So we're going to step aside a little bit early to uh, uh, give them the room that they absolutely deserve. Uh, happy to do it. We'll be back tomorrow and the rest of the week, uh, regular time, 4 to 6 p.m. Tomorrow is the first practice. Going to have a lot to talk about, observations from practice tomorrow. But today, John Gruden's speaking for the first time to the media uh, ahead of training camp. Uh, really, I think, an optimistic tone that he set. John Gruden, I've been seeing on Twitter that you know fans really uh, reacted positively to what John Gruden said, talking about how uh, enthusiastic he looked and how passionate he looked, optimistic he looked. I know I traded some texts with him. Uh, he was happy to be out of the whole Zoom thing and, and actually interacting uh, with us. That was a cool thing that we, 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 we got a chance to talk to John in person. That was never the case last year for obvious reasons. So uh, a good day. We're going to get into it. Uh, there's a lot uh, of other things to talk about in terms of why the Raiders feel pretty darn good about where they are on the eve of training camp. Uh, but we're going to get to that in just a second. Right now, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Uh, um, uh, got the Inland Empire checking in. How you doing, uh, Raider? Hey, Vinny. Welcome back. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Happy to be back. Hey, so since we got this access and uh, in, in, uh, so excited about training camp, I wanted to see if we can get some uh, insight on a couple players, uh, specifically like you're talking about the secondary, I think it's huge to get an idea of what's going on with Amik, uh, Divine Diablo, also Hobbs. I uh, really want to see what that rotation is. I think what we know, what's what's going on, what we're going to get on Hayward, the projections of you know the, the upside. Hopefully everything gets worked out on uh, those, those safety positions. I think uh, Abram's going to be a lot more improved. Um, you know, Mullen's going to step up, but really want to see those those other factors because I think that those are the wild yeah, um, I, I totally agree. And it was interesting uh, because as I was writing my story today, uh, one of the ironies of what John Gruden was talking about and the optimism that he was um, uh, expressing, the reality is really the Raiders have two jobs realistically that are locked up um, with uh, with for sure starters. Uh, that would be Trayvon Mullen at one cornerback and, and Jonathan Abram uh, at box safety. And and really, if we're being honest, you know Jonathan Abram has to has to perform uh, to hold on to his job. That's just the bottom line. He's making a position switch um, or, or settling in at a position that uh, seems more conducive to what he brings to the table. He's got to respond though. Uh, he's been. Quite frankly, uh, a liability for, um, too many times during the course of games uh, over, over you know last year, and and there were times where he shined, but there were plenty of moments where he struggled, and his struggles 
hurt the Raiders, to be perfectly honest. He needs to respond. Um, so when you're thinking about John Gruden's positivity, you also think to yourself, well, okay, but yeah, but I mean, there's only two spots that are locked down uh, with, with certain starters. And one of those is with the guy that struggled last year. So where is this optimism coming from? But you have to kind of look at it from the other side. While three positions, free safety, uh, the cornerback spot opposite Trayvon Mullen and that slot cornerback position don't have identified starters. On one hand, you can look at that negatively and say, well, you know, what's what's the deal with that? How can you be optimistic if you don't have three starters or I haven't figured out who, th- who three starters are? On the flip side of that, there's a lot of names. There's a lot of talent. There's a lot of options uh, that through that competition that ultimately decides who's going to start – the best man is going to win. And there's there's so many options now and so many better options that you got to figure that whoever ends up uh, as the starter, is it's, it's you're not going to be in a situation where the Raiders have been far too often these last few years where they have to settle for somebody at a spot because they just don't have anybody better. And, um, you know, where you, you it's it's that, well, you know, we're going to have to make do right here uh, this year. That's just the bottom line. I don't sense that that's going to be the case this year. I think between Casey Hayward and Damon Arnett uh, over at one cornerback spot, you're going to get a good solid starter and a good solid backup. Uh, I think that when you're talking about free safety, whether it's going to be Trayvon Morig or Tyree Gillespie, we're going to get into Tyree here in just a little bit. Uh, one of those two players, and they're both rookies, one of those two players is going to seize the opportunity during training camp. But don't discount the other guy. That doesn't. It's it's not to demean whoever doesn't prevail as the starter. I, I think that the Raiders, in either case, are going to have a good starter out of it, and they're going to have quality depth uh, out of it. Then you go down to slot cornerback where Nate Hobbs and Meek Robertson, Nevin Lawson, maybe whoever doesn't prevail over at that outside cornerback spot, maybe they move inside. Uh, w- we'll see. But out of that competition, the Raiders feel like they're going to be able to – Rasul Douglas, don't forget about uh, the veteran uh, Rasul Douglas as well, that they're going to be able to come up with a quality starter and then also behind him uh, have, have decent depth. And so – while, again, you can look at it as you only have two starters right now. How can you feel confident about that? Well, it's because they feel like out of all the guys that they have that they're going to throw into the competition for the three other spots, not only are they going to gonna be able to come up with quality starters, they're going to be able to uh, have depth like they've never had uh, in the past. And, you know, I found it interesting what John said about Damon Arnett. Uh, he was a guy that kind of flew under the radar during OTAs almost to the point where it felt conspicuous like the Raiders might be trying to push some buttons trying to motivate him I don't know that to be the case so I can't say for sure that's what the Raiders were doing it could have just been um, you know one of those situations where we read a little bit too much into the fact that they didn't talk him up during OTAs but whatever the case might be as John talked about and this is really what I've been trying to point out Throughout the offseason, when you talk about Damon Arnett's rookie year, what can we really take from his rookie year? When you think about all the stuff that he went through and how, honestly, if we're being completely frank, unfair it is to judge him off of that rookie year. This is a guy who was a day one starter 
to open training camp last year after no real offseason. Okay, first practice starts. We're out there watching, and there's David Arnett starting uh, at one cornerback position and looked pretty darn good. Uh, I wrote about it and talked about it at the time. I'm not going to backtrack from that. I saw what I saw, and I stood by what I said about what I saw. I thought David Arnett looked good last year in training camp. Then one day, he shows up with a big club on his right hand, suffered a hand injury. It was either a kind of a continuation or a reoccurrence of something that had bothered him uh, at, at Ohio State uh, his last year before going into the draft. So right off the bat, here's a rookie cornerback trying to get his feet wet in the NFL while playing essentially with one hand, with one good hand. Uh, throughout the course of the first three games of the season, uh, he tried to battle through it. I give him a lot of credit for for trying to battle through it. Kept getting hurt. I would see him time and time again. You know, fans weren't in the stands, so they couldn't quite see all this. But he would be going to the sidelines, trying to shake his hand. He, he was in obvious pain. Would go back out there, try to tough it out. It finally came to a head uh, in in the third game of the season against the New England Patriots. Uh, they said enough is enough. Time to undergo surgery. He went under surgery, missed eight games as a result, couldn't get into the weight room, came back, uh, tried to play through it. Uh, he didn't look the same physically. He was, like I said, uh, because he wasn't able to get to the weight room, into the weight room consistently because of the coming off hand surgery. He just didn't look uh, as physically fit as he did in training camp. Then COVID-19, then a couple of concussions. So bottom line is he didn't play a whole lot. He played through injuries while he was playing. He was dealing with COVID-19. He was dealing with concussions. How much can you really draw? And how fair would it be to truly judge Damon Arnett based on everything that all the obstacles that he faced last year? As John Gruden expressed today, uh, you heard of that in, in the quote, talent-wise, the Raiders believe Damon Arnett is every bit as talented as anyone on that roster. That's a good thing. There's still upside for Damon Arnett. Doesn't mean he's going to win that starting uh, job. Uh, he's in a fierce competition with Casey Hayward. Casey Hayward is a veteran that's been there, done that. Um, but I think out of that, the Raiders are going to have strength at that cornerback position between Hayward and between uh, Arnett. And as John talked about today, the future is still bright for Jonathan Abram, or excuse me, for, for Damon Arnett. He's a big part of their plans uh, moving forward. So um, you have that. You have that secondary, that, that safety position where Gillespie and Trayvon Morig uh, are going to have a battle at free safety. But keep an eye on Gillespie. I, I still think that Trayvon Morg wins that free safety spot, but I think Gillespie between playing special teams and figuring out a way to get on the field early in his career is going to be somebody to keep an eye on. And as John Gruden talked about today, there's a lot to like about Tyree Gillespie. And there was a lot of, you know, as I was doing my detective work throughout the off season, um, checking in, you know, seeing where guys stood and whatnot. Tyree Gillespie was a name that kept coming up, kept coming up. And the Raiders are really excited to see when they get the pads on because that's really the part of the game that he excels in. It's a good thing that he passed the early tests in OTAs, uh, the classroom stuff, applying what he was learning in the classroom uh, to the field. And now the next step for him is actually his strength 
and that's the physicality that he brings, the toughness that he brings, the tackling, um, you know, the, the impact he makes in that side uh, of the game. And so his best is still yet to come. And for those reasons, he's somebody that the Raiders are really high on. Here's John Gruden talking about Tyree. Yeah, he's, he's, de- he's definitely in the picture. Um, he's a big hitter. He's a guy that um, can tackle in space in one-on-one situations. Dominant special teams player. And we don't take that lightly. Uh, but we think he can play in the post. And we think he certainly can play down low around the line of scrimmage. Might even have some dime linebacker capabilities uh, down the road. That's John Gruden talking about Tyree Gillespie. And I need you to focus on the last part of what he talked about. Yes, you feel that he feels like he could play in the post, the post, the free safety position uh, back further, um, you know, uh, as that last line of defense. But what did John Gruden said? But we really feel like he can play that, um, you know, that, 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 that safety position closer to the line of scrimmage. Who plays that position right now? Jonathan Abram plays that position right now. Um, Jonathan Abram, as we've talked about quite a bit, I think faces a big year this year. Um, he's now playing that box safety position. It's a, it's a position that seems conducive to his skill set. It lessens the liability that he is in big space pass coverage. He's going to be defending smaller patches of the field in zone coverage. He's going to be able to unleash himself in the run game. It's something that he brings to the table. He's going to be somebody that they can use and activate. Uh, in terms of uh, rushing the passer closer to the line of scrimmage. But the fact of the matter is Jonathan Abram needs to respond. It's a big year for Jonathan Abram. If, he, if, 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 if it doesn't take hold this year, playing a position that really is in his wheelhouse from a skill set uh, uh, perspective, don't sleep on Tyree Gillespie being the answer at that position. Uh, that's a long way down the road. Jonathan Abram will be given every chance uh, to prove that he could play. And there's very there's there's a lot of optimism in that Raider building that he's going to do just that and make himself kind of a fixture here with this Raiders defense. But there's options now behind him. And lastly, regarding Tyree Gillespie, and this is where I feel like he's got a chance to force his way onto the field in some form or fashion. Uh, that, that dime linebacker position is becoming so important. You need guys that are going to be able to bring it in the run uh, game, but also be able to provide adequate pass coverage. Uh, it's difficult asking linebackers to play that kind of role. They're usually bigger, obviously, than safeties. Um, and so that reduces the speed and it gives makes them sometimes a matchup uh, liability, uh, covering guys that are just faster than they are. Well, if you can bring in a Tyree Gillespie, smaller guy who brings physical traits of a linebacker but also defensive back pass coverage skills that's where he can excel and I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever uh, if somehow some way he finds his way into the field in some sub packages playing that position just to be able to tap into what he brings to the table so a lot of optimism day one uh, from the Raiders in kind of some surprising ways I don't think if you were to picked the secondary uh, as a position group that John Gruden was going to be as fired up uh, as he was about that group today. I don't think if you had picked that, a lot of people would have been on your side, but that's exactly what happened today as John Gruden uh, really expressed some some optimism uh, and encouragement about a position group that was honestly a liability last year. If the Raiders can make that position group a strength, an asset, it changes the entire dynamics of their defense. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bonsignor.
Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Let's go right back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Joe is in Los Angeles. Why don't you talk about the Raiders? How you doing, Joe? I'm good. Welcome back, Vinny. I forgot to call yesterday. How was I know you had some great tweets out there with your trip to Italy. Uh, loved it. Had a blast. Um, got a chance to see some uh, some uh, great family members uh, and one of the most beautiful parts of, of the world. I highly recommend Southern Italy uh, for anyone who's uh, thinking about uh, taking a family trip uh, way, way, way up on, on the list. Uh, how are you, Ben? Good, good. Thank you. So I had two takes from today's press conference. One, you elaborated, elaborated on in my take on Damon Arnett because, you know, after OTAs, there was rumors that the Raiders were kind of you know, done with him. And obviously the opposite is true based upon what John Gruden said. Now, the one thing I wanted to ask you and kind of get your take on, to me, the elephant in the room is not addressing the Kirby Wilson situation. And I did appreciate you asking the vaccination question. For me, having survived that, that's important for me to get out there. But with Kirby Wilson, maybe this was addressed at a different time. But, uh, yeah, I'm surprised no one asked that question. So I wanted to see what was your take on that. Yeah, and I was I was away when when that happened. Uh, a little bit of a surprise, but you know, um, sometimes and you know, Kirby retired, and he's been doing this a long time. Sometimes, and and you know, I've experienced this in my own life, uh, and and there's there's other coaches, there's other players uh, who you know you're 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 feeling a certain way uh, throughout. The off season, uh, man, you know, am I, am I, am I, am I fully in? Am I out? Am I? Do I want to continue doing this? You know, and and you kind of try to talk yourself into it that you are, because um, you know, at some point in everybody's life, you kind of get to the end of the line of what you're what you're doing, uh, and that that passion bucket might not be where it's always been, and and it usually kind of comes to a head right before. It, it right before that train leaves the station and and you know in your heart that if you get on there's no turning back at that point uh and you're, and you're asking yourself do i really want to get on that train because it's a grind man uh it don't stop until you know february it's day in and day out and you know that and and maybe he just kind of got to that point where as training camp was looming Man, I'm not quite sure I want to get onto that uh, onto that train after all. And uh, to do everybody and 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 you know, to fake it a little bit uh, doesn't do yourself any good, and it certainly doesn't do your the team any good, and your players, and your um, and and the rest of the staff. Uh, if you're if you're only half in at that point, so this is just my me thinking along the lines of what Kirby might have been thinking, and and I'll ask around to try to get a better handle of it. But it might have just been that situation where hey, training camp is right around the corner. Uh, I, I kind of convinced myself that everything would be okay, that I'd be all in by the time uh, that, that that starter's gun was going to get ready to go off. But I just don't feel it. And I think for everybody's best interest, including my own, maybe it's time to just step aside. So that's just my kind of gut feeling on, on, on what might have happened. Are you still there? We don't have uh, uh, Joe in, in LA anymore, uh, but I, I agree with you, Joe, on on Damon Arnett, um, and I kind of talked about it a little bit, you know, in the uh, in the first segment about how it's it's 
kind of unfair, you know, to uh, to judge a guy like that, a rookie like that, based on the kind of season that he went through. He went through so much uh, in terms of the injuries, the concussions, COVID-19, just being a rookie. Um, so the 19th pick overall, the Raiders understand the talent. They still believe in the talent. Um, now bringing in some competition where the weight of the, 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 the weight of the world isn't, is no longer on his shoulders. Um, maybe they'll be able to get him settled down and get him back on track, uh, and tap into the talent that they believe uh, is there. We're going to go out to the Raider nation guest line and bring in our good friend from channel three, the NBC affiliate here in Las Vegas, uh, Jesse Merrick, Jesse, how are you doing? My good friend. Thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Hey, for sure, man. I'm doing well. Glad to be on the verge of diving back into football mode and getting training camp rolling. I know we both got a little vacation squeezed in there, and then now we got to plug in and get ready to roll. So I'm looking forward to it. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And a little birdie told me that you might have been in the same region that I was. Is that is that accurate? No, I wish, man. That'd be a lot more fun. I went to Nashville, which is still a great time, but uh, Italy would have been nice. <laughs> Aha. Well, uh, I love Nashville, so uh, so no uh, no complaints from me uh, as far as that goes. All right. Before we get into the Raiders, uh, Jesse, uh, obviously, as we're as we're all getting prepared uh, to head over to Henderson uh, to to cover the first day of, of training camp, the the Golden Knights drop uh, the, uh, the 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 bomb on everyone uh, that they were trading their 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 great goalie. What were your initial thoughts, and what are your thoughts on the big trade that went down today with the uh, with the Golden Knights? Yeah, I mean, I, I was shocked, to be honest. Uh, I had been telling people, because everyone had been asking, you know, that there was going to be changes coming, and I, for the longest time, thought that Flurry and or Pacioretty would be on the move. I just didn't expect it to happen just yet. Um, and obviously, Flurry was the one that dropped. I don't think Patch will be moved anymore. But now I was just like, wow, this is insane. And then to do it essentially for nothing in return. I mean, they get a guy that was a – in the AHL and the ECHL, he split time between both those leagues. That hasn't done anything. It's more so just a salary thing. Um, and they kind of almost force him into retirement, it sounds like, if, that he's kind of weighing those options of it. To me, it's, they didn't handle it right. I don't agree with the way they handled it. Business-wise, it makes sense to be able to get the money in hand, to be able to do a lot of things that you know they need to fix. But uh, definitely a surprising day for Vegas, and especially to see one of the guys that's kind of been the face of your franchise, really a pillar of this team since it was since its inception, uh, to be kind of tossed away side like that just reminds you how much of a business it all is. Yeah, uh, I agree. And and my two cents, uh, uh, watching the reaction, watching the re- reaction locally and, and on Twitter, I almost feel like this is Las Vegas's welcome to professional sports moment. True welcome to sports uh, moment. Because the longer you're in this and the more you have a team that you devote energy to and your passion to, the more things like this happen uh, as the years go on, not everyone stays put. Wayne Gretzky got traded. Uh, we could go on and on. Joe Montana got traded. Um, we could talk about that for days. How many fixtures on teams or beloved, uh, you know, players on teams got moved for the good of you know the organization? So in a lot of ways, I kind of I was just sitting back, just sort of chuckling to myself, watching the reaction, thinking, okay, Las Vegas now truly understands uh, what it what it's like to have a team and to and to get that team in your blood and. and and have a favorite player, and then have that favorite play, favorite player unceremoniously uh, traded. So, welcome to the real world, the real sports world, uh, Las Vegas, because this type of stuff happens, right? Yeah, no, one hundred percent agreed. I mean, I think when Leonard was signed, everybody kind of toyed with the idea, knew this would happen at some point, but they didn't want to quite deal with it. 
And uh, now today they kind of just reach in everyone's chest and rip their heart out. So you kind of got to deal with it however you can. And, and um, there's a lot of mad Vegas born fans. That's for sure. Uh, I, I can concur with that one. <laughs> and here's the deal. If the, if the Golden Knights go out and sign a great player as a result, um, not to take anything away from Flurry, but it's going to be who uh, in, 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 in six or seven months from now, if that guy is out there, uh, whatever the replace, where, however they replace that his money with, if they're able to, to get a difference maker, I'm sure that's going to be the focus rather than not having Flurry back out there. Uh, that's just kind of how that works as well. We have short memories sometimes uh, in sports. All right, Jesse. So John Gruden uh, took to the podium today. We got a chance to talk to him actually in person, which is pretty cool uh given everything that happened uh last year so so that was uh, a highlight uh, i would say but based on what what john gruden talked about today any takeaways that that jesse merrick had uh today from john gruden yeah i mean number one you know anytime anybody asks me you know what i'm looking at heading into the uh heading into training camp and all that stuff i've always said the defense and more specifically the secondary and, and to hear it from gruden kind of reaffirms that and uh I just didn't expect him to dive into it as much as he did, which I thought was great uh, for Raiders fans and for us media folks to really kind of get a peek into his mind about where his head's at going into it. You know, he's clearly got his thumb on this secondary. I think even more so, uh, you know, a guy like Damon Arnett that I heard you were talking about earlier. So that's that's really kind of that got me. And then also the talk of Mick Morrow. You know, he's the guy that I've been high on, um, you know, and I'm, I'm real curious to see what his role ends up being in this defense now with Gus Bradley. You know, uh, Jesse, getting back to that secondary, uh, I think the one thing that too often gets overlooked is youth and inexperience and sometimes the process that it is um, to get guys on to get guys settled down and uh, in, 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 in good positions and um, to maximize, you know, the obvious talent as well. It's something that I think sometimes gets overlooked. Uh, and from the team's perspective, they're monitoring this. They're seeing it. They're they're you know they're experienced enough to to know that not everybody's timetable uh, lines up with everybody else. Sometimes it takes guys a little bit longer. Sometimes the scheme. Sometimes the coaching. There's a lot that plays into it. Uh, that that you know we sometimes just overlook, but they're staying in tune with. It feels like behind the scenes. Uh, and, and, and we forget how young this secondary is uh, for the Raiders. It seems like behind the scenes, at, at least, they're pretty they're encouraged by what they're seeing from this young secondary. Yeah, I agree as well. And I mean, how could you not be? They've got so many guys they drafted in the first couple of rounds, you know, that have had high grades on them and stuff. And we still haven't really been able to see where what they can do 100 percent, you know, in a normal year, quote unquote, Uh so I, I agree with you on that one. It does seem like there is a lot of optimism in there. I mean, Gruden said, you know, he's going to be very disappointed if that secondary isn't worth the price of admission. So, I mean, he's obviously very high on it. They're invested in it big time. Uh, so that's definitely something that they're going to be paying a lot of attention to, and we will as well, uh, just to see. Because, again, there, there is talent. Like, uh, say what you will about whether Arnett or, or some of the guys were a reach and everything like that, but you can't deny the talent that they technically do have out on the field. Um, it's just a matter of, again, like you said, it takes time for different people. And, and let's not forget, like, this is the NFL. I mean, you're making the jump from college football to the NFL. It's not like you're making the jump from JV to varsity. I mean, this is a totally next level uh, of doing it and doing it in an off-COVID year and all this stuff. And, again, they're excuses, but they're valid excuses that I think now, again, we can start to really see what they've got in the cupboard in a normal year where they've had this offseason and we dive into it and really see what this team can do uh, you know, with the defensive coordinator that has kind of pared things down, things down a bit as we kind of seem to understand it. 
and see how they can go when they can just go out there and play and not have to think so much about the defense. Jesse Merrick, practice starts tomorrow. Yeah. In your gut of guts, who's going to start? Who's going to be uh, when, when they run their, that first team defense against the first team offense? And we're going to see that tomorrow. Who's going to be at the cornerback position opposite Trayvon Mullen? And who's going to be at free safety lined up as the, as the first team free safety, first team cornerback? I'm sorry. I think I'm. Are you still there, Jesse? Yeah, you got me. Yeah, I got you. Uh, would you mind repeating that a little bit? Sorry, I, I, I didn't miss the. I missed the tail end of that. Practice starts tomorrow. We're going to see some eleven on eleven. We're going to see first team offense against first team defense. If you were to call it right now, projecting to tomorrow morning. Who's going to be lining up as that cornerback opposite Trayvon Mullen, and who's going to be lining up as that first-team free safety tomorrow? Ooh, man, that's a good one. Uh, my gut tells me Casey Hayward, and at safety, I think we're going to see Merrick back there. It's interesting because, that, as Gruden talked about today, that free safety position is wide open. Like It's, it's, it's a position that – and I don't say that to mean that Negatively, I think Tyree Gillespie has opened some eyes and has firmly planted himself in the competition, which in the long run is a good thing. Looks like we are losing, unfortunately, uh, Jesse Merrick. Uh, that's okay. Jesse, uh, always appreciate uh, all the insight and the enlightenment uh, that you bring. It sounds like we had a, a bad cell phone um, uh, situation going on. Uh, we're going to take a break. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila and Bahar. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. You know, I've never really given statistics on COVID vaccinations, but I would say that we have every man vaccinated on the staff. I could also say that I believe we have every man vaccinated on the team with the exception of about four or five guys. So we're proud of that. We're excited about that. We're also respectful of everybody's personal opinion. So we have to weigh that as well. But um, when it comes to vaccinations, we think most of our, our people have been just that vaccinated. That was John Gruden, the Raiders head coach, talking today uh, over at the practice facility in Henderson on the eve of the first practice of training camp uh, tomorrow morning, bright and early, 7.30 a.m., um, about the vaccination numbers for the Raiders. And uh, it, it it's kind of the continuation of a uh, positive trend um, that was going on throughout the offseason. I would check in pretty much on a weekly basis to see where the Raiders were. Uh, and the, the the constant feedback that I was getting was the Raiders felt that they were as good in as good sh- as a shape uh, as any team in the NFL as it relates to vaccination numbers. And that certainly is the case when only four or five players uh, are not vaccinated. That puts the Raiders into that 90% um, uh, area in terms of uh, you know getting their players vaccinated. And listen, I'm not going to get all political uh, on this. We know that there's a lot of passion on both sides uh, of this issue. Um, 
everyone has the right to make the decision that they want to make um, about what they uh, do or don't do, uh, whether to get vaccinated or not vaccinated. We all get that. We all understand that everybody has the right to make that decision. And I don't begrudge anybody. And neither does the NFL, neither does John Gruden, neither do the Raiders, neither do any team uh, in the NFL. But I think the key difference that people need to understand is just because you express your freedom or, or um, act on your freedom uh, to not take the vaccination doesn't mean there's consequences to that decision, be them good or bad. Um, and life is just about mitigating risk, mitigating um, danger, okay? And it's what we do on a daily basis, all right? We look both ways when we cross the street. We have a decision whether we want to cross the street, but we're going to look both ways uh, and decide when it's the safest time to to uh, to cross that street. Some people uh, have a, a, a lower threshold for the for the safety than others. That's fine. It's, it's America. We're a free country. We could do what we want, but there's consequences to whatever decision that you make. And in the NFL's case, and the same is true for public schools, a lot of jobs, um, traveling now, nowadays. Uh, in the NFL's case, the way they're mitigating the danger, whether they're, the way they're mitigating the issue is by encouraging uh, as many players as possible to get their vaccination because the science that they're following um, says that that's the best way to ensure the safety of the collective, ensure the health of the collective is to get as many players and many staff, as many staff members as possible vaccinated. And to that end, the agreement that they've come up with, the NFL owners and the Players Association, is two sets of protocols, two sets of rules, um, two sets of realities. Uh, when you walk into the building on a daily basis, uh, there's there's a protocol and a set of uh, uh, rules and regulations for vaccinated players, uh, and there's a set of rules for unvaccinated players. And to say that the rules for unvaccinated players are much more cumbersome than those for for vaccinated players is an understatement. And that's the when you make the decision whether to get vaccinated or not. That is what you, you understand what you're dealing with with either decision. You're going to be able to operate and work under these conditions if you're vaccinated. And if you're not, these are the conditions that you're going to have to work in. Everyone goes in with eyes wide open. Uh, but from the Raiders perspective, hearing John Gruden talk about how only four or five players are not vaccinated, uh, it's a big thing. And it's a big positive thing uh, for the Raiders. Uh, because when you look at the rules and the regulations and the protocols, um, the way you're able to move around much easier when you're when you're when you are vaccinated compared to uh, when you're not vaccinated. The teams that are in the best position in terms of the numbers for vaccinated players are going to just be able to manage the season a lot better than the teams that aren't. And the Raiders are among the best in the league as far as vaccinations. Uh, what John talked about today um, pretty much guarantees that, or pretty much um, uh, confirms that. On the, on, the, on the flip side, you look at the Washington Football Club, and I know that their coach, Ron Rivera, was expressing tremendous frustration today over the fact that they're just at 50%, maybe just over 50% in terms of their vac vaccination. That means half the team is vaccinated and a little under 
half the team isn't. 50% of the team uh, isn't. That's going to be tough to deal with from a coaching perspective and maybe even a safety uh, perspective. And if you're a team and under the NFL's rules that were agreed upon, mutually agreed upon with the Players Association, if there's an outbreak on your team that causes a forfeit of a game, that causes the, the um, uh, postponement of a game, the financial burden of that is going to be on the team where the out, uh, where the outbreak occurred. Now, you could have a hundred percent vaccination rate, and that still doesn't guarantee that you're not going to have an outbreak. We all understand that. Uh, if we've done just a little bit of research uh, into the vaccinations, you understand that it's not foolproof in terms of protecting you against the virus. What it does is it lessens. Um, you know, the, the chance that you get the virus. And if you do get the virus, it certainly reduces the ramifications of that compared to non-vaccinated uh, people. So the NFL understanding and NFL teams understanding like, look, if, if I have an outbreak on my team and it causes a forfeiture of, of a game, I'm responsible for the financial burden of that. I have to come up with the lost money for that. So what are teams going to do other than say, hey, look, let's try to do this as safely as possible. And the science says the more vaccinated players you get in a building, the safer you're going to be. It doesn't make it foolproof, but it certainly puts you in a better position. And I think from an availability standpoint, just from uh, a standpoint of going about your daily business, I think where the Raiders are in terms of the vaccination puts them in a pretty darn good position. And I think that hearing John Gruden talking about that, if you're a Raider fan, you ought to be, no matter how you feel about the individual choice, whether somebody's being forced to do this or not, nobody's being forced to do anything. It's just the reality of the situation is there's consequences, good and bad, to whatever decision that you make in life, getting the vaccination uh, included. But um, for that reason, I think the Raiders are in pretty darn good shape as they head into training camp from that perspective uh, along those lines. And we saw last year how much COVID-19 uh, messed with the Raiders. John Gruden talked about how he got fined. The team got fined. There were foul ups. There were missteps, um, you know, and, and everyone was going through this situation for the first time, kind of not necessarily blindly, but, you know, everyone was in sort of a haze and sort of a fog trying to do the right thing. It didn't always happen. There were mistakes that were made. We all understand that. Uh, but from a mistake perspective um, and a slip up perspective, the Raiders paid a dear price for that. They also paid a dear price um, for COVID-19, just inflicting some of their players. It ruined practice schedules. It cost availabilities in games during the week. Uh, so it had an effect. It had an effect on what happened on Sundays without a doubt. Uh, and I think what the Raiders are trying to do is make sure to, or, or try the very best to lessen the impact that COVID-19 is going to have on the operation this year. And to that end, they actually brought in an expert. They hired somebody. Uh, John Gruden talked about uh, that hire today. Somebody who has who has an, is an expert in this field and is going to be there to help them uh, deal with COVID-19 and the vaccination and the protocols and, and just trying to make sure, like we talked about, minimizing risk, managing risk risk and to put the Raiders in a position to be able to get through this season with the least amount of impact on, from COVID-19 
uh, as possible. So I thought that was uh, a positive to come out of today. It kind of uh, aligns with what I had been hearing throughout the offseason. The Raiders felt really good about where they were uh, in terms of uh, COVID-19. Hopefully it's something that we don't have to talk about a lot. I'm sick of tired of writing about it, uh, but it's definitely something that you have to be aware of. That's We're only doing our job uh, to report those things because as we saw last year, COVID-19 can play a role in what happens uh, each and every Sunday. Sometimes it means not being able to play a game on Sunday or getting your game moved around. That happened to the Raiders as well last year. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Butler. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Well, we haven't put a pad on yet, so I'm not going to I'm not going to say too much. It's been a big topic our offensive line. Never want to lose good players. Never want to lose good players at any position, but we did. We lost some good players. And uh, the salary cap went down this year for the first time, I believe, ever. Uh, there were some financial decisions that we had to make. Uh, we feel like we've got some emerging players, Andre James being one of them. Colton Miller, we felt we had to get extended. You see some of these young left tackles, what they've extended their contracts for. It's astonishing. It's big money. And we love Leatherwood. Uh, we love them at Alabama. He's off to a great start. And... Um, He's got to back it up, and we're going to try to help him. I have no no doubt about him as a football player. That's John Gruden uh, speaking today to the media on the eve of the first practice of training camp tomorrow uh, out at uh, the Raiders practice facility in, in Henderson, talking about the offensive line. And, you know, uh, I, it's it's tough running a football team and the decisions, any sports team for that matter, especially in the NFL where the salary cap uh, is, is a very real thing. And in this year, uh, the, the Raiders or the NFL's case this year, uh, t- this year being 2021, the salary cap went down. If you remember last year, nobody was in the seats. Revenue was bound, bound to be uh, down this year. Uh, and, Every year's salary cap is predicated and based on the revenue that was um, that the revenue that 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 was made the year before. So the twenty twenty salary twenty twenty one salary cap is based on revenue generated during the twenty twenty season. Uh, you, you, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not a financial guy. Uh, but when you don't have people in the sands, that's going to take a major cut out of your 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 uh, revenue that you can generate. As a result, the salary cap went down this year. And oh, by the way, the the players had to borrow against future salary caps just to get it to the point that it is right now. And that money at some point is going to have to be repaid, not in terms of, you know, here's the $100 million we borrowed from you, but it's just going to be reflected in future salary caps. Uh, If there were, for instance, in 2023, maybe the salary cap just based on 2022 should go up by $30 million. Well, the $30 million might actually only be $15 million because the $15 million that the, that the players borrowed against future caps this year might be applied to that uh, salary cap. We'll see uh, when, when it gets to that point. But the point being is when you are dealing with the salary cap, especially one that went down for the first time in history, you're going to have to make 
difficult decisions. The Raiders' offensive line last year was the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL. Had they not made any moves going into this year, the offensive line would have been among the highest-paid in the NFL again. All right? That's, that's fine and dandy if you don't have other holes that you have to fill on your team, other pressing needs that you have to fill that require money under the salary cap to fill them. And in the Raiders' case, things had gotten a little bit out of whack. They were paying a whole bunch of money to the offensive line and getting okay results from that, not great results, just okay results uh, uh, from that. And they were... And they had all kinds of holes to fill defensively. And so they needed to cut somewhere in order to uh, have the money to, to apply it to elsewhere. And so as a result, the Raiders had to cut money along the offensive line. It's not always an easy decision to make. You're going to lose good players as a result. And unfortunately, that was the case for the Raiders in losing Gabe Jackson uh, and in losing Rodney Hudson, having to trade both of those players in order to create more salary cap wiggle room. We won't get into Trent Brown. The guy played 16 games for the Raiders uh, over the last two years, about half of what he should have played. Um, you know, and given the money that he made, uh, it was just a price way out of whack given uh, what he gave them in return. That said, the Raiders feel good about Andre James, uh, the replacement setter for Rodney Hudson. The Raiders feel really good about Alex Leatherwood, uh, the replacement right tackle for Trent Brown. And they feel between or among um, Denzel Good, John Simpson, the second-year uh, guard from Clemson, and, and getting Richie Incognito back, they'll be able to figure it out uh, along uh, as far as that guard position. So... Uh, Change sometimes has to be made, reluctantly so. It might hurt a, a little while. You don't want to lose Rodney Hudson. You don't want to lose Gabe Jackson. But the Raiders feel like they're in pretty good uh, shape to replace both of those guys. And certainly they were able to use that money. It's not like they didn't spend that money. They just spent it on, on different positions. But I thought it was noteworthy what John Gruden talked about in terms of uh, Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and it goes back to, you know, right before I left for vacation, I talked about having lunch with Lincoln Kennedy, our great partner, uh, who will be back here pretty soon. And Lincoln, you know, it was so funny to me because on draft night, the whole, everybody's, every draft analyst in the world, their heads were exploding when the Raiders selected Alex Leatherwood. Uh, and, you know, the criticism being that the Raiders reached on Alex Leatherwood. They, 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 um, you know, they, they made a, a move that, or a draft pick that they couldn't understand. Well, the reality is, Alex Leatherwood uh, is somebody that had been on the Raiders' radar for a long time. This wasn't something that just came about over the last month or the three months or so uh, during draft evaluation uh, process. As Lincoln told me in conversations that he had with the Raiders' offensive line coach, Tom Cable, Alex Leatherwood was on that radar all the way back to Alex Leatherwood's freshman year at Alabama. Lincoln Kennedy gets a call from uh, from Tom Cable, a good friend of his, and Tom Cable was like, "Dude, I need you to keep an eye on this kid, this uh, <laughs> this freshman over at Alabama by the name of Alex Leatherwood." Lincoln told me I started watching him and just fell in love with him as a freshman, and that's when Alex Leatherwood started landing on the Raiders' radar. And from that point on, 
that infatuation and that admiration just kept growing and growing and growing. This wasn't just some haphazard uh, knee-jerk reaction by the Raiders because they needed a right tackle. They got the guy that had been on their radar for a long, long time. Uh, we're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Dana is in Boca Raton. How you doing, Dana? Hey, how you doing, Vinny? And glad you're back. I appreciate it, brother. It's always great to hear your perspective. You always bring uh, so much context and um, <clears throat> just rational thinking to this. Uh, and I, I, we really appreciate that. Um, you know, when the whole thing happened with Leatherwood and the draft, you know, after the draft was over, uh, JT had Eric Allen and, and Link on the, sh- the show afterwards. And Lincoln had said before the show he had wanted the Raiders to even draft defense. But after the show... He said that because he didn't think he was going to get past the Chargers with their pick. And they, he, all those things that you were saying that he told you, uh, um, he was saying that the guy that they had their eye on him, Cable had pointed out to him. And then I've heard Link recently uh, in some interviews come out and talk about that. And <clears throat> I started watching some you know, um, tape on him. There's a guy who um, has a, a YouTube channel called Top Billing. He's a Washington fan used to play college on the line and he was showing how well Leatherwood did against high level guys that are going to be either drafted next year or in this draft and what a comparison it was compared to these other tackles like Rashawn Slater and Panay Sewell that didn't really ever face anybody elite and and uh you know one of he showed his good and he showed his bad he showed a couple times when he was playing guard when he got whooped by one of the defensive tackles um, from Clemson, which the really funny thing about that is when you watch that tape a little over a couple times, you see Clee Farrell just throw Jonah Williams back with one arm, <laughs> which is pretty awesome. But um, And I was thinking, too, when, you know, uh, Raider Dave said at one time how, you know, right after this, when we were, when they let um, Gabe Jackson and they let um, Rodney go, that they were looking to get more of those outside runs. And Link would talk about it all the time with you. Even when we had those really good runs where we got outside, he even said it's kind of surprising to him because we don't have a line that can do that. And I, because, you know, it was surprising to me to hear him because I always thought we had such a great line. But the numbers don't really show that, you know, it wasn't worth the $34 million we were paying for the right side because we weren't really getting that kind of run blocking that was getting to the second level. You're seeing how hard Jacobs had to work, and I'm really excited to see where we go this year with um, a much more run, a better run line, and what Gruden's going to be able to do with that because we know when Carr gets eight men in the box and he changes the play, it's going to be money. Yeah, uh, thanks for the call. I really appreciate it for Boca Raton. You're, you're absolutely right, and um, that listen – and, and, and Lincoln pointed this out. Is Alex Leatherwood uh, a left tackle? No, but they didn't need a left tackle. They needed a right tackle to do the things that they want and need a right tackle to do in that zone run scheme that the Raiders have. So, and that's a whole other, we talked about this after the draft about how sometimes these national pundits are driving around up in the sky in helicopters, uh, just looking down, um, you know, uh, and not digging really deep in individual team needs, what they're looking for. For what they specifically need, the skills that they need to fit their scheme. They're just looking at the big board that they have and just fi- trying to fit every player uh, into that slot um, of where they believe they slot in terms of the talent level. All right, that's one thing. But 
individual teams are looking at prospects through their own lens, how players fit into their system, their scheme, their needs. And in the Raiders case, and it's this wasn't a knee-jerk reaction. This wasn't something that just came about uh, during the process of, of draft evaluation. It was something that they had their eye on, not for months, but for years. And they believe that Alex Leatherwood in that run in that zone run uh, offense that they prefer that they like the scheme that they have that he is the perfect fit for what they're trying to do. So maybe that pick doesn't fit for the New Orleans Saints or the Los Angeles Rams or the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, but teams that run the kind of zone, you know, uh, uh, run game that the that the Raiders do, he's a perfect fit. And so. Um, that's that's why you have to caution against the overreaction sometimes from these national pundits who are just looking at guys one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a national level rather than looking at each 32 teams in the NFL and what they might be looking at from players, from a player's perspective, from a skill set perspective that fits for what they do. So uh, not to take anything away from Mel Kuyper or Daniel Jeremiah or any of those guys. Uh, They work hard. They're great at what they do. I respect the heck out of them. But I just try to caution fans sometimes into not falling into that trap of just taking their word as gospel because what they're talking about is on a broad scale, whereas the Raiders and every team like them are looking at things from their perspective. Does that mean Alex Leatherwood is going to work out? No. Um, but I just hearing John Gruden talk, and I and I know uh, I've, I've I've talked to to to, to Gruden about Alex Leatherwood uh, as well during the off season, and and he feels really good uh, about this young uh, right tackle that they have, um, and somebody that's going to be a day one starter, and in their eyes, somebody that's going to be able to enhance that run game. And 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 you're right, if they can get that run game which wasn't as efficient last year as it was the year before. A lot of that was because of injuries. A lot of that was because Trent Brown just wasn't available uh, last year. Um, But if they can get back to their roots and get back that run game, that efficient kind of a run game, it just sets everything else up uh, in a big way. And in spite of the fact that they couldn't get the run game, rolled out the way they truly wanted to last year. They still still scored the 10th most points in the NFL. It's a tribute to John Gruden. It's a tribute to Derek Carr, uh, the level of play that he provided at quarterback, the play calling that John Gruden um, you know, uh, uh, put out there in spite of some flaws along the offensive line and, and elsewhere. They were still able to score at a high level. I think if the run game gets back uh, in line, if Henry Ruggs, and we'll get into into Henry tomorrow, uh, John Gruden feels really good about where, where Henry Ruggs is. Um, if he could take that step forward, Darren Waller, Kenyon Drake, Josh Jacobs, the new offensive line, John, uh, Derek Carr going into year four in this system, John Brown, uh, you know, Hunter Renfro, Willie Sneed, Brian Edwards. Uh, there's a lot to like about this offense where it is, and it could be even better than it was last year. And it was pretty darn good uh, last year. So uh, we'll see. I thought it was an interesting day, day today uh, over at the uh, facility in Henderson. Uh, I think John Gruden 
just hearing him talk, reading his body language and his demeanor, he's pretty fired up uh, about that season. He was even happy, and I know this for a fact, he was even happy to be in there talking to us uh, in person. Enough with the Zoom calls and all that nonsense. Um, we had to do it last year uh, for obvious reasons. It kept everybody safe, uh, but I'm past a Zoom. I like the human interaction. Uh, I can't wait to start getting back into the locker room and start getting to know guys and developing relationships uh, and, and, and being able to provide even better coverage uh, than we try to, whether it's at the Las Vegas Review Journal, uh, who I cover the Raiders for, or here at Raider Nation Radio, trying to give you guys an inside look of what's going on. It's starting to get back to normal, uh, keeping our fingers crossed, knocking on wood, that it continues on that on that path. Uh, because we all we all deserve that. Uh, tomorrow going to be a big day. We're back at it tomorrow from four to six p.m. as we will be uh, the rest of this week. Uh, but first practice tomorrow. I can't wait to see who's starting at free safety. Can't wait to see who's starting uh, over at cornerback. I think it's an evolving, ongoing process. I don't think we're going to have uh, starters fully determined until probably the middle of training camp. Uh, but it starts tomorrow, and we'll get a first glimpse uh, of who's starting where. Looking forward to it. Uh, thanks to. Dem- Ron Cotton, our great producer. I want to say thanks to Jesse Merrick for stopping by, spending some time with us in the huddle. Thanks to the callers. Thanks to the listeners. We'll be back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Uh, brought to you by Tequila and Bahra.